six pounds and nine ounces looking up at me like I have all the answers I hope I have the ones you need I've never really done this now I know what scared is sometimes I'll protect you from everything that's wrong other times I'll let you just find out But that's when you'll be growing and the whole time I'll be knowing You're listening to WIOX Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains. I'm Diana Mason, the host of Health Cetera in the Catskills. And last week, the Albany Times Union reported that there had been more than two dozen closures of maternity centers, or services rather, in New York State since 2008, with seven closing or planning to close since the COVID pandemic started in 2020. Well, this is in the face of what is called maternity care deserts. And Delaware County is a maternity care desert. Maternity care deserts have no labor and delivery services. When hospitals or health systems announce closure of maternity services, they often note that, well, women can still use the emergency rooms for labor and delivery. Now, the thought of going to an emergency room when you have what is expected to be a normal labor and delivery, to me, is horrendous. Um, I, I can't imagine a worse setting to be birthing, laboring and birthing a child. But here to talk about why we're in this situation and how bad it is and what can be done about it is Whitney Hall, a certified nurse midwife and legislative director of New York Midwives. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me on Health Cetera in the Catskills today. Thank you so much, Diana. I'm really happy to be with you. And let me just say that you live in this in the Cotsco regions in Ulster County, which is quite nice. So you're familiar with our region and some of the challenges here as well as statewide. So why don't we start by having you talk a little bit about what the situation looks like right now in, in New York State? Yeah. So, I mean, what you're talking about are the closures of maternity services, which has been going on for a couple decades now. We've really lost a major portion of our um, birthing facilities. In fact, the, in 2014, a study came out that said that only 50% of rural counties in the whole United States have um, maternity services in them. So that means no hospital-based maternity services. So you're right, that is the case right here in New York, and the counties right around us, Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and Columbia, all lack maternity services now talk a little bit about childbirthing centers the free free freestanding childbirthing centers that have um you know actually proliferated since the 1960s i knew ruth lubick who started the first uh, childbirthing freestanding childbirthing center in new york city uh some years ago and i really thought it was the wave of the future are they closing down as well uh, it's very cool that you knew Ruth yes. or know Ruth, you know. That's such an old 
school name. I mean, yeah. you know, back in the 1970s when we started birth centers, New York City was at the top of the list. We had the first birth center in the country. Yeah. It was a great center. Yes. We have gone through many iterations of midwifery birth centers since then. You'd think that after all this time, that would just have taken off in New York being the birthplace of it. But what we find is that due to our CON rules, Certificate of need. Certificate of need, yeah, mm-hmm. and our onerous regulations, we have none midwifery birth centers in New York State. So other states like California and Texas have 60, 30, wow. you know, Florida has over 30 birth centers, and we here in New York just cannot seem to get it together to be able to open birth centers. Um, it's the largest growing facility in the United States. Um, 70,000 families a year give birth in birth centers, and um, the CDC actually did a study after 2020 um, showing that the rise in birth center care um, from 2019 to 2020 was a 20% rise, Mm -hmm. and most of these were from black, um, Native American, and Hispanic families. So there is a huge growth which has continued since then to be giving birth in out-of-hospital settings, which we simply do not have the capacity for here in New York. And, and we, we just let's just talk a little bit briefly about childbirthing centers for those who may not be familiar with them. There is a huge, they're usually midwifery run and mm-hmm. staffed and, and have wonderful outcomes. Say, say a little bit about how a birthing center is different from a hospital maternity unit. Well, According to the American Association of Birth Centers, the birth center is a wellness-based model of birthing mm-hmm. care. So instead of an illness-based model, this is a, um, assumes wellness. So it assumes the natural physiologic birth and spontaneous labor. Um, obviously, not everyone has that, but everyone who does have that is eligible to birth in a low-risk facility like a birthing center, and they look much more like homes than they do like hospitals. There's nice beds, you know, all the equipment you need is there, but it's usually hidden behind a closet door (laughs) so that it feels homey. Yeah, and they often use um, the tubs, I I know, and and you're not restricted to the bed and hooked up to IVs, and and, uh, like you said, you're not treated like you're a walking illness. Exactly. I mean, we know from the research that, being tethered in labor is one of the causes yeah. of our increased C-section rates. Yes. So IVs, being on the monitor, you know, having your nurse be out in the hall watching you, watching you, quote, watching the yeah. monitor, but yes. not being with you during labor is a yes. real problem. Yes. So, so they have really good outcomes. There are all kinds of studies comparing the outcomes of childbirthing centers to hospital-based births as well as even home births. So, so, um, and, and they all have backup, uh, uh, backup um, emergency arrangements so that if something goes wrong with the birth or is going wrong, they can get to an emergency room and, and get help. But this idea that when when birth centers or, or maternity services close, the idea that a woman can go to an emergency room and have her labor and delivery there just shook me to the core when I heard that. That this is this is how some hospitals are planning to deal with normal vaginal deliveries. What's yeah, wrong with doing an emergency room? Okay. 
I mean, where should I start? <laughs> There's no privacy. There are many very sick people in those spaces. You do not want to mix uh, contagious diseases with yeah. ba- newborn babies being born. Also, in emergency room physicians, nurse practitioners, while being amazing people, are not practiced yeah. in the emergency um, of childbirth. Yeah. It's not safer. It's, in fact, much less safe yeah. to deliver in an emergency room. And besides that, it's, you know, birth is not just a medical event. It's a social, it's a family-building event. It comes with spirituality for some people, and cultures play a part. And that all gets lost if you're in the hustle and bustle of an emergency room. So. Yes. That would not be acceptable for anyone. So, so you, you mentioned that there are onerous regulations in New York State that have resulted in, in or contributed to the closure of maternity services, whether in hospital or childbirthing centers. Um, t- talk about other factors that are, are uh, contributing to this, these closures. Um, well, I mean, I think in general it's financial. Mm. I, I think when a birth facility cannot hold a very high volume, like rural settings, Mm -hmm. they cannot make the funds work. So if we think about what a normal professional fee for an obstetrician or a midwife in, like, our region, Ulster County, Delaware, that fee is about $1,730. That's the Medicaid rate. So for $1,730, you take care of this global care for a birthing person for all the prenatals, the attendance at the entire birth, and all the postpartums. It is so underfunded that most hospitals lose money on maternity care every year. So it's a systemic issue that technically is not the hospital's fault. This goes much deeper, and we need more policies and better funding for women's health. So, so let me also ask you about the issue of malpractice insurance. Some have ha, are claiming that um, it's the high rate of malpractice insurance that also contributes to that financial cost. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially, we live in New York. It is one of the most litigious states for obstetrical care, and the insurance companies also, <laughs> you know, have to create a business plan that works. So there have to be enough incoming dollars to do payouts. So it's really tough in, um, in this state to get malpractice insurance and keep it. So that's also an issue for practices that are struggling. So what are the, what are the solutions? You're with the uh, New York Midwives Organization and and I know that you're probably probably advocating for a package of policies that could help this situation. Tell us about what you see as some of the policy solutions. So one great thing that happened in the end of 2021 was we passed the birth center bill, which allowed for birth centers to, um, to be licensed in the state of New York if they were accredited um, with some extra New York State-specific CON issues. So that was supposed to have helped. And we wrote, actually, um, a large set of regulations this year that went up for public comment in 
May, June, and July. And um, there was a large outcry because most of those regulations that were written were really not as midwifery forward as we really hoped they would be. So there was a large outcry. Um, Many people wrote public comments in. That time period has now lapsed, and we're just waiting for the Department of Health to come out with their new set of regs, and we'll see. We'll just see if there's an improvement or not. So give us an Um, example of how some of the regs were not as midwife forward as you were expecting. So, for instance, the perinatal designation, which is where... You know, most of the larger hospitals in an area, one might be the perinatal, regional perinatal center. So that regional perinatal center provides education, training, learning for all the other level hospitals in its region. And one thing that they did was they added the birth center to the perinatal um, system. So now birth centers could be included in that. So birth centers could have the support, the learning, the education, and everything they needed from the level three or four perinatal center. However, this is a weird thing. The support and education should come from the chief of midwifery at that level three or four center. Mm. Now, they made that optional in the regulations. So level four, level three hospitals don't even have to hire a chief of midwifery if they don't want to. So that's just... How does that work, is yeah. what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't build a whole system based on all this education that's going to happen and not make the hospitals hire a midwife to, to do d- it. deliver it. Because it is a different philosophy. It's a different knowledge base. And, and it, it's, it's, it's sort of stunning to me <clears throat> that we continue in this country to um, f- uh, to approach the healthcare workforce, uh, f- and particularly for perinatal care, in opposition to what most developed countries do. Most developed countries have have two or three times the number of wood- midwives to obstetricians because most deliveries are normal vaginal deliveries. In this country, we have the opposite. Am I right on that? Did I get that wrong? Oh, absolutely right. It's a upside down triangle. I mean, we have. You know, in general, you go to your primary care doc, and if something's wrong, they send you to a specialist. That's normally how it works. If you show up at your primary care with a hurt leg, they're going to say, oh, I think I need to send you to the orthopedist, or, you know. But in maternity care, we send every woman to the specialist first. You're going to the high-risk obstetrician and gynecologist where you should be heading towards the midwife, being screened there, being given good care, and if you need a higher risk level of care, then being forwarded on. I mean, it's how we do medicine in every other subspecialty. So there is a historic reality to mm, the sidelining of midwifery in this country that hasn't happened in any other place. It hasn't happened in Europe. It hasn't happened in Africa. You know, it hasn't happened in South America. So... And we should point out that the United States is doing more poorly on maternal mortality and I believe on infant mortality than most developed countries, most peer countries. Yeah, so it's definitely doing more poorly than most peer countries. We have only the second to last um, in all the industrialized nations. Mexico is the only one worse than us. 
But what is more interesting to point out, or I guess more devastating, is that of all the countries, even developed countries, most of them, the maternal mortality rates are going down. That is not true here. Ours are going up. So ours are getting worse, even though we're far better off. So what, what, other, what other strategies do you think are essential to reverse this situation? Well, I mean, we really need, you can't get anything done in this country without people. We need people to stand up and say, you know, we need midwifery care. We want midwives. We aren't going to settle. And we need activism around that, I think. Yeah. And so the outcry from the public is really the most important piece and and so does the New York Midwives Organization have a platform that you're asking the public to advocate for? Well, if you go onto the New York Midwives um, dot org website, it's spelled out New York Midwives N E W Y O R K um, Midwives dot org dot org. Mm-hmm. There are um, Ways on there to get involved, ways to sign up for um, getting our newsletters and correspondence. Mm -hmm. But really, if anyone has, you know, a way to contact their legislator or their assembly person in the New York State Senate or Assembly, that's where we start. And we have a lobby day every year. We go up there in... April, and we stay in contact with all of our friends and legislators to sort of help pass the laws that we think we need. So if I were to contact my state senator or assembly person, what would I be asking them for? Oh, there are many um, really good laws out right now that could be, you could ask for support. One is the, there's a cesarean section um, there's a cesarean section bill that allows us to really review the cesarean sections that are happening in the state. Mm. We know that two-thirds of all maternal mortalities are linked to prior cesarean sections. Wow. So lowering the cesarean section rate is really important. And we have not yet been able to get these bills passed because we have very deep... Um, the docs don't like these bills, right? <laughs> So <laughs> we have deep defenses that are up. Yeah. So, you know, it's we know we need to reduce surgery rates. Um, there are many ways to do it. And a, a couple of these current bills are really about um, giving good informed consent. Mm. Because if you ask some women, they don't even know why they had surgery. Yes. So if nothing was explained. And also um, just allowing for these review boards, like the maternal mortality review board we have, which is so essential in really trying to understand why these rates are so bad. You know, Whitney, I, I have a lot of nurse colleagues who come from the Caribbean, and they would come, they come here, they, they, they are midwives in most of these countries, as well as nurses, and they come here and they work on these obstetrical units and they tell, told me, would tell me they were appalled at how, how women were really not allowed to labor. 
that that the we were so intervention minded that women interventions were being done such as uh, giving Pitocin to speed up contractions because they think the labor's being delayed, and that makes for a very hard and painful delivery. Um, again, giving the epidural, which can slow things down, and that they were they were appalled. And, and, and I remember one saying to me, you in the United States just don't let women do what they need to do with labor. Um, and I, it, I think that speaks to our high C-section rate. I agree with that. And it's also a symptom of um, we have restricted access to people in labor. We, we don't have good media. We have scary media. I mean, if any yeah. TV show you've ever seen with a birth, it's a, they're running and screaming and, you know, there's nothing normal about it. So... So we have a whole culture that sort of doesn't even understand what happens when it's physiologic and normal. And so we sort of obfuscate it in that way, I think. And I, I respect very highly our Caribbean midwives. They're all trained in the yes. English system where there really aren't any doctors. Yeah. And there aren't any nurses. I mean, yeah. it's the midwife yeah. there taking yeah. care of everyone. Yeah. Now, now I have to ask you, are you a fan of Call the Midwife? Oh, of course. <laughs> I don't think there's any midwife who isn't. <laughs> and, 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 and so most healthcare shows I don't watch because they're just, they get it so wrong. What do you think this gets right? It's actually some of the most impressive, realistic scenes of birth that I have ever yeah. seen in media. I mean, they just, it is more realistic than anything I've seen. Yeah. So it really, it's nice to also click into a time when, um, you know, the midwives were first call and the doc came to the house if need be, you know. So it was a home-based, community-based sort of, the midwives knew everyone. They knew everyone in the community. They ride their bike around. They help, you know, this kid find his way home. Like, it's just a real, realistic way to think about midwifery. We we really stripped the midwives in this country of their community yes. access yes. Um, back in the 20s and when we made all these regulations that sort of disenfranchised, especially black midwives, from their communities. So, In fact, I, I was the editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Nursing in from 1999 to 2009, and we had our 100th anniversary of the, of the journal in 2000. And wow. one of the papers that we published in that anniversary issue was how white public health nurses and obstetricians undid the black midwives in the South, how it was a deliberate attempt to say they were not competent, even though they were doing quite well in very difficult circumstances. And uh, to this day, um, I, I think it it just illustrates how we have done what we could to really undermine women's access to culturally appropriate care and provided by people uh, who are in the community. These midwives lived in the communities they served. So, um, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. And I, I, I have to say, I, I think uh, I, I'm not quite sure if men had the babies, we would be in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> 
to raise that. Have to raise that question. Uh, yeah. So, um, so it's a really important issue. And for people who want more information, one more time, how do they get information from New York um, midwives? It's the website is newyorkmidwives.org, and it's all spelled out N E W Y O R K M I D W I V E S. And once they get there, is there a particular section that they should go to to um, to pay, look at this issue and what they can do to help? Well, we have our What is a Midwife page, so that's a good place to start. A lot of obfuscation of the difference between midwives and doulas. And there are also many certifications of midwives. We have CNMs, we have CMs, and there are CPMs. Um, so there are there are levels yeah. of uh, advanced midwifery out there. Yes. So, so there's a lot to learn. And, mm. um, yeah, and I would just pay attention, you know, the issues you're talking about, the issues that are in the news all the time, uh, you know, the way that our health system is um, really not equity-focused yes. ha- has to be addressed. Yes. And, you know, midwifery is one of the best ways to bring that community-based care back. Yes, great. Well, Whitney Hall, certified nurse midwife and legislative director of New York Midwives, thank you so much for coming on to Helsetter and the Catskills and talking about this important issue. Well, Diana, I loved it. I'll do it again anytime you want. <laughs> anytime you want to come back on, you just let me know. Okay. All right. Have a Have great a good day. day. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Yeah, really important issue and uh in our community, if we're going to um, have a diverse community that has families, growing families, we need to think about these kinds of services. Have a great day. You've been listening to Health Center in the Catskills on WIOX Community Radio. I'm Diana Mason, wishing you well.
Thank you.